Verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Holy Spirit within you has desires. Walking by the Spirit is about desire. We have been preaching a gospel that is focused on man. Man sins. What man must do to be saved. What man must do to overcome his own weakness. They come looking for a God-centered gospel that brings freedom. But they aren't finding it because it's centered on what they must do. And it's not working. So they leave. Leave the church. Leave the faith. Leave God. This whole time, though, the solution is simple. Return to a gospel centered on Jesus. This alone will revive us from within and awake the sleeping giant that is the global church. What began as a simple gospel has turned into a brave movement. It's not starting. It's already begun. It's not about getting Christians back into the church. It's about reviving the church through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is the result? A company of burning hearts ready and willing to transform the world. Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart Podcast. It's Wesley here and I want to welcome you to this series that we're calling Walking in the Spirit. As Christians, we're not just called to live our daily lives aimlessly, but we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ and walk every day just as Jesus did. In this week's episode, we're actually bringing back an old episode of Peter speaking at CFNI about walking in the Spirit and fulfilling the desires of the Spirit versus the desires of the flesh. But before we hop in, I want to let you know that in two weeks, starting in February, we're going to be starting this series of going through the book, Now That You're Born Again. If you're not familiar with it, Now That You're Born Again is a book that Peter wrote about growing up in God and going from a new believer to maturity in Christ. We'll be going through it week by week on the podcast, but we want to encourage you to get the book and to go through it with us. I'm putting the link to the book in the description below, and we also have a free study guide that you can use. So we want to encourage you, don't just go through this book by yourself, but get your family, your friends, your community, your church, your small group, and go through it together because it's super simple, but really transformational. So again, the links are in the description below. It starts in two weeks. Enjoy this episode. So I want to, I want to walk through uh, Galatians a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through uh, the first two chapters just as an introduction to set the stage. We've been talking about Again, walking by the Spirit, walking by the flesh. We've been talking about our justification. We've been talking about um, this framework through now that we relate to God. Um, Why the gospel is so important is that it does two things. It changes the way we see God, and it changes the way we see and relate to others, right? So without the gospel, you're going to relate to God very limited, very poorly. And without the gospel, you're going to relate to one another no different than the world. Okay, and so we we finished on Tuesday. Uh, we got into Romans six, which was awesome. How many of you enjoyed that? Yeah. Um, we probably need to go back there. 
because we opened a lot of worms, and I feel like worms are everywhere, but praise God. Galatians will help put some of those worms where they belong. Um, and so we talked about being, we, we, we didn't just, we didn't just uh, receive a blessing from, from His work as Messiah. We were actually invited to partake of it, right? I've been crucified with Christ and I lo- no longer live. Do you not know that our old self was buried with Him and we were resurrected to newness of life? So we talked about union. We talked about union with Jesus' work on the cross and what that means for us. It means that we go from living and walking by the flesh to now living and walking by the Spirit. This is, this is the big shift from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. This is, this is what makes Christianity distinct from every other religion on planet Earth is that you now have the promised spirit living inside of you. This is, this is something that we know, and it's something that we've yet to fully tap into. Okay? You have access right now to the thoughts of God. Amen. To the solutions of God. To the perspective of God. To the power of God to the life of God. We have access, dwelling, dwelling here within, by faith, we have access to a never-ending flow of God's Spirit, who is God Himself. Okay? So the challenge goes, how do we experience and walk in the supply of this Spirit? And because there's a, there's a great frustration, I think, that we have. It's like, okay, you read Ephesians, and you're like, we've got every blessing in the heavenly places, and you've been seated, and you're like, have you ever read that? And you're like, well, where the heck is it? Huh? You ever been frustrated? We, if we're not experiencing what He promised to give us, we've, we've got to go back and look, are we coming to Him on the terms that He gave us to come to Him? You can't say, well, God's just, you know, well, God, it's, it, I think what we've done is we've said, well, it's not really this. I know it says every spiritual blessing, but it's not really every spiritual blessing because I'm not experiencing it. And so we've, we've arrogantly assumed that the way we've approached has been right and that God just didn't follow through and that we have to redefine the blessings and the bigness of the gospel because, well, I mean, it can't be that good. Right? It can't be that big. You can't really be free. You can't really walk by the Spirit. <laughs> Amen. But, but that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's ruminating around in the body of Christ. You go to, you go to Galatians 5. We'll, just, we'll start with the end here. Look at verse 16, 17. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Pause. Did you know the biblical solution for you walking in freedom from your flesh is to walk by the Spirit? Did you know that he doesn't say, if you stop walking by the flesh, you'll now be walking by the Spirit? That's how we read it. We read it as, if I get my flesh in order, I'll be walking by the Spirit. That's not what he says. 
He says walking by the Spirit is the means to not gratifying fleshly desires. You say, Peter, how do I get my flesh in, in control and in order? You walk by the Spirit. And walking by the Spirit's not a work of the flesh. It's done by faith. Uh-oh. So this, this must mean, listen, because this is a big issue. We have presented to the body of Christ that walking by the Spirit's for the mature. Absolutely not. It is for the most immature, baby, brand new, born again Christian. They are to walk by the Spirit. How else will they grow up and learn not to gratify the desires of their flesh? Unless, unless of course, we teach them another way. And I, and I think we have. I think we've presented wow. other ways of, hey, you got to get your flesh under control. You got to get through this ministry. You got to overcome this way. You got to overcome that way. And what we're doing, why it's so devastating, is we're undermining the faith of the gospel. And we're promising freedom apart from the revelation of Jesus. It's, 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 not, it's not fantastic. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Uh-oh. The Holy Spirit within you has desires. Walking by the spirit is about desire. Most of us live and relate to God. Many of us are used to relating to Him by a system of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this. That's how you're going to get better. But the new covenant is about desire. And this is what's been so unfair, is why the flesh is winning in the church. Because the flesh has desire. Hear me, the f your flesh has desire. The desire is perverted, it's off, it's wrong, but nevertheless, it's desire. And desire will always win against duty. See, it, when you're faced, when you have a duty paradigm of God, oh, I, I need to do this. I better, I better read my word. I, I, I should probably pray. Duty. I should probably go to, to church this weekend. Duty. Uh, I should probably share the gospel with that guy. Duty. I'm saying it from a, from, a, from a cold heart of, I should probably do that. Then all of a sudden, your flesh is like, man, there's this new thing on Netflix. I want to watch that so bad. Right? It's desire. And you're like, that feels right. Come on. Your flesh is like, it, it's desire. So you're like, oh, that feels stronger. There's a stronger pull that way. Why? Because it is desire. It's desire. I'm hungry. You ever fasted? Why is fasting so hard? Because it exposes duty versus desire. Your flesh is like, I really want some food. And your spirit, 
your, your, your spirit actually has desires. The reason why fasting can be so hard is because we've not tapped into the desire of, of the spirit in fasting. Because the Bible says, watch, look what it says, the desires of the spirit. Oh my goodness, the desires of the capital S, spirit, the Holy Spirit within you has desires. Galatians 5, verse 16, 17, sorry. So, walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh is a desire game. And, and here, again, we go back to Romans 6. We go back to what's taking place on the cross. Before the cross, before faith came, the desires of the flesh ruled and reigned, and you were darkened in your spirit. You were blinded by the power of Satan, and you did not have desires in the spirit that were right and good. Hear me. You didn't have access to godly desires. You were ruled by the flesh. The flesh dominated everything. Right? And so the challenge is, when you got born again, all of a sudden, you became brand new on the inside. Many people, though, there are some remarkable instances when people get born again and there's, there's physical transformation, literally. They get healed or delivered and you see... You can see their countenance jam. I mean, that, that does happen. I remember one time we did a baptism, and this girl, we, uh, she, she was like eight or nine at the, at the upper room, and she got baptized, and she looked back, and she did this, and she, she freaked out. They dunked her, and she freaked out, and she got out of the waters quick. And everyone was kind of like, what happened? And she goes, I was in the water. She saw her old man in the water. And she got out of the waters quick. And we're like, yeah, that's biblical. You experienced Romans 6. That's your old man. Come on. So, so what happened here, and this is, this is really at the heart of this class, my heart, is we have underestimated what took place through our union with the death, burial, and resurrection and so we didn't actually know and we've not been given permission to recognize and walk by the desires of the spirit within where we can go like like if I were to ask you right now, I bet if I were to just pause, we'll, we'll do an exercise right now. There's a desire inside by the Holy Spirit for the word of God. A legitimate desire. I don't care how much you maybe your, your flesh is manifesting right now, but if you think about it. If you really like, like, like look within, the Holy Spirit inside of you longs to read the Word of God, not because you have to, but because you love the way it nourishes you. Look, check. Put the dipstick in, check. If you're born again, just check it. Is it there? What about to pray and to commune with the Father? Is it there? Like a real desire. But then what, what's like right there? Huh? Your flesh, but also what's right there. Usually surrounding spirit desire 
right over this layer is condemnation. Why? Because, because here's, and then your flesh is out here. So deep within you have the spirit desire to, to read God's word or to pray or to fellowship with God. And, and, and maybe it was this morning. Maybe you wanted to wake up before chapel and do it. And, and you didn't do it. And so what happens is because you didn't do it, you feel frustrated at yourself for not doing it. And then what happens is you're like, oh, man, I didn't do the thing. And so then this subtle, this subtle thing of condemnation just settles over you. Where did it come from? came from a holy desire that you have to spend time with God. This right here, this spirit desire, is God's design for you to walk free from the flesh. And so we have to learn as a people to, to live and access the desires of the spirit and learn to give ourselves over to them. The real desire, the, the heart behind it. Instead of the duty, why, why do I want to spend time with God? Ask yourself that. Well, because I'm a son, because I'm a daughter, and that's what I'm made for. Because I, I, I love it. I love hearing his voice. I love hearing him speak to me. I love the truth of his word and how it nourishes my soul. And when I read it, I feel clean. I feel, I feel strengthened, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you guys, if this thing is just about duty, if it's just about the works of the flesh, and if you're not careful, I promise you, because I've lived this and I've walked this out, the, the more you walk with God, the stronger the desires of your spirit get, the, the stronger the longing for him gets. And you've got to learn to let God father and cultivate those desires. He wants you to live by desire. And when you live by desire and by joy, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll do actually really hard things. Your flesh will, will do things that you never thought possible. You, you, you literally, when you walk by the Spirit, you will submit your flesh in ways that you never thought. People ask me, like, do you believe in fasting? Yes. When, when God births a desire in the spirit to fast and you give yourself over to it, I'm telling you, your flesh will get in line. You, you are no longer a debtor to your flesh. Romans 8. Can we read it? Let's go there. Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Say debtors. Debtors mean, means that you owe somebody something. If you're a debtor, you owe somebody something. So he says, we actually owe somebody something. But he says, but, but not the flesh. We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Watch this, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay? So how do you put to death the deeds of the body? By the Spirit. But how? What's the grounds and the authority that we have over our flesh? We have not learned 
to use this as our authority for our flesh. When your flesh acts up, this proves that we've not been joined to Him in His cross. We still take ownership of our flesh. Do you see? We're not, we're not, we haven't allowed this to circumcise us, circumcise our hearts to no longer live according to the flesh. That's what, so again, we have appropriated just a, some, some forgiveness and eternal heaven, praise God, eternal life, but we're still in bondage living according to the flesh because we've not allowed this to be our authority and go, you know what, if I'm acting out in my flesh, that is actually, if I've, if I've gone through this, that's alien behavior. That's not normal. That is, that is out, out of bounds for you and me as Christians is to act out in the flesh. Out of bounds. Why? Why is it out of bounds? Because I've been crucified with Christ. Right? Until we accept that His cross was my cross, walking by the flesh will still seem okay. Well, it's okay. I mean, no, it's okay. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not holding the standard to condemn us, to shame us. I'm saying we have to come, we have to come to what this is a standard. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I want the blessings of the cross, but I still want permission all the days of my life to live according, like we're, of course we're going to live according to our flesh, right? And we've done that. We've, we've watered this thing down so much that it feels like biblically, it's actually stranger for a Christian to act out in the flesh than otherwise. That's, that was the, it wasn't the norm. It was not the norm. Today, it's the norm. We create ministries for it. And the reason why we've lost our impact in the world is because we're not walking by the Spirit and bearing the fruit that we're capable of. Why? We're still wrestling and trying to overcome a problem that He solved 2,000 years ago. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And you, you actually appreciate and love Jesus more when you see and study what and why he did what he did. Like, you love him more. Like, when I've looked at, I'll look at the cross and I'm like, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm still to this day amazed every time I ponder and bring the cross and the grave and the resurrection up in my heart and my spirit. I, I want you to know this. Like, it is a, it is a meal that I eat from daily. I want, I want you to hear this. It, it's not, this is not some class where you can get some information that you grow out of. This is foundational to your faith forever. This is John 6. My, my blood is true drink and my body is true food. If you learn to, to feed on me, you will live forever. Why? Because you'll be living and walking by the Spirit. The words that he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, what's he doing? He's teaching us to, to extract and draw the spirit and the life and the power that this meal represented. When he talks about eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's talking about the revelation of his love for us here on the cross. 
because there was one moment in time, human history, where Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave His flesh and His body and His blood for humanity. There was a moment in time. So when he says, I will give my life for the, my, my flesh for the life of the world, he wasn't just saying by and by sometime. He's referencing his work as Messiah. Right? And so he says, in that revelation, what was this all about? What was the revelation of the cross all about? Come on. What, what's the whole, what's the all-consuming revelation? John 3.16 is the love of God for the world. That's what, the, that's what this whole thing was about. For God so loved the world. When? When did He love the world? When we were right? When did He love you? When you were right? So you had a list of things in your flesh. This is, this is what's funny to me. We have so much compassion for someone's not yet born again. And all that compassion seems to go out the window the moment you get born again. Oh, yeah. You guys, I know, some of you, how many of you walk the streets and you minister? You find the homeless people or the people that are stuck in drugs, and you're like, and if they were to tell you, I want to give my, and they tell you all that they've done. How many of you, they open up to you, they share, I'm done cracked, you know, I run. And they give you all their history. They give you the list of what they're doing in the flesh. And, and somehow, amazingly, as compassionate and wonderful as you are, you're like, no, 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 it's okay. Oh, no, you don't, it's okay. You, do, you don't stumble over that as an evangelist. Do you? you don't, do you stumble? Do those things come up and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if there's any hope for you. <laughs> But they get born again, we get born again, and now this becomes the dominating mantra over our life. We should know better. So now you no longer tolerate any works of the flesh. Now because you're born again, and then this just produces guilt, shame, condemnation, the trio of devils. They're devils. They're not tools in the hand of God. They're devils. Can I say that clear? Yes. They are devils. Yes. Guilt and shame and condemnation are from the pit of hell. They're not your friend. They will never form Christ in you. They will never help you. They are out to kill you. Hear me. Guilt, shame, condemnation, not part of your Father's kingdom. Can I, some, some of y'all just got delivered right now. You just gave yourself permission to go, wow, that's not, no, that is not God. It's not. You will never grow up and be sanctified under the, the, the watchful eye of guilt, shame, and condemnation. They are cancer to your spirit. They are cancer to your soul, rather. And they'll try to kill you. It's real, and this is an epidemic. This, this is at the root of the anxiety, the depression. The, it's at the root. It's the core ball of nastiness that's if you drill down to someone who's like, oh, I just feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel alone, I feel... 
99% of the time, there's this going on because they let mom and dad down, they let God down, they let their brother down, and, and, and they, they're not able to cope with the guilty conscience. And so you do one of two things. You either resort to hyper-religious activity to try to make up for this. You can see these people. They are worn the heck out with all of their religious activity. And it's good activity. I mean, on the surface, at first glance, it's right. But what they're doing is they're trying to clear their conscience with their activity. Or you see rebellion. I can't take it anymore. God must not be true. I can't take the guilt. So they they have to just throw everything out that they've known. Why? Because it's too, it's too painful to live in guilt. So they try to convince themselves this God thing is not real. You guys with me? In between that, before you go to one of those two things, before those results, there's numbness and hopelessness. And I want to bring you hope. I want to bring you encouragement. And I want your heart to come alive. Because this, I, 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 this is, again, I've walked this out. That place where you come and you're like, man, I feel guilt. I feel shame. I feel condemned. <clears throat> It'll leave you numb to God. It'll leave you numb and around, and you may still be singing a melody, but your heart's far from God. So I want to finish with this, and this, is, this ties into your chapter for this week if you haven't read it. Um, and I'm just going to tell you the story because <clears throat> I don't have time to, to actually unpack it. Luke 15, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting this dynamic. Do you find it strange that we have the unlimited compassion and grace and mercy? We've got it down when it comes to the lost. We've got it down. No compromise. But when it comes to us, we compromise. We, 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 we no longer continue in the spirit. We now apply different rules once we're born again. Right? You guys see that? Have you guys experienced that? Yeah. You with me? Luke 15, same thing happens. Son goes off, tells his daddy, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. Gets his money, goes and spends it. The big brother is at home, and we find out later in the story that he never disobeyed his daddy. That's a good resume. How many of you would like to, to say, I've never disobeyed my daddy? and that you've served him faithfully all the years of your life. This is, what, this is what was said of the older brother who stayed in the house and never rebelled against God. And I remember, I'll never forget, <clears throat> the father came to me because uh, he's a good father, and he said, son, do you want to see, um, can I show you something that you're thinking about me that's not true? Now, whenever the Lord tells you that, you should get excited. You get really excited because, because here's the thing. If you're believing thoughts about God that are not true about Him, it's an idol. I've shared this with you, but I, it's worth repeating. When you fashion some view of God about Him and you relate to God through that perception, it's an idol. No different than the little wooden ones that they worshipped back in the day. It, it just You call it by the same name so it doesn't seem weird, but it's weird. <clears throat> We get a revelation of God through the gospel and through Jesus, right? That's why we have to allow our information to come through Him, our revelation to come through Him and not our own view. 
So I, he, he says, go read Luke 15. I said, I've, I've read it. He says, read the parable of the problem. And you, you ever argue with God, you tell him, I've read it. <clears throat> he did that with uh, John 3.16 one time. I said, um, have I shared this? I said, uh, I said, Lord, how did you evangelize the world? I said, you did it so good, you know. And uh, he said, go read John 3.16. And I was like, I, I've read it. He goes, just go read it. So I argued with him. I finally went and read it, and I read it, and I was like, I told you I knew what it said. And, um, <laughs> well, because I read it, and I was like, I, there's nothing new. Like, just let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's in there, so let's talk. And so I read it again, and I read it again. He was reading it again. And then I was like, okay, you know, hit me, punch me. And he said, uh, he said son, I never preached that verse. He said, I lived it. And that messed me up for good when it comes to evangelism. <laughs> He's like, I never told people that I love them, that I was going to send my son for them. I just did it. But what you've done is you've just told them. Show them. Evangelism is giving from a heart of love. And of course there's a message, of course there's a proclamation, but you can't have the proclamation without a demonstration. That was the point. So anyway, I, he takes me to Luke 15 and he says, um, I get to the older brother and the older brother says this. You all know the story, prodigal son? So the prodigal son comes home, kills the fattened calf, big party, big brother's mad. <clears throat> He's frustrated. And I've always busted this guy's chops. I'm like, this dude, this dude is religious you know like this dude is like you know I'm like come on man your brother came home right I'm the only one that's done that that's cool that's fine y'all are looking at me all okay so so the big brother the, the dad comes out to the son and he says uh, son he's like what's going on and the and the brother says this he said dad he said, I've served you faithfully all these years, and I've never disobeyed you. He says this, yet you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And the Lord paused me, and he said, did you see it? I said, see what? He said, he thought that his serving me and his never disobeying me was to get me to give him something. Wow. And the father stopped me, and he goes, you think this way about me. He said, you think my giving to you is contingent upon your service and your obedience. <laughs> and it messed me up because I'm like, I am. The, the reason I talk so strong about this, because, guys, I've been the chief law guy with God. I'm like, Lord, give me the rules. I'll, I'll obey them. I'm good at rules. I'm good at parameters. I'm good at definition. Just tell me what you like. I'll do that. And then I'll be positioned to receive. In my mind, I wouldn't have said it. But if I had had the older brother's resume, if I could point, how many of you right now, hear me, just, just do, a, do another little litmus test. If you had the older brother's resume right now, think about it. What if this was your resume? You've never disobeyed God and you faithfully served him, meaning you've, you've accomplished everything that you know he's called you to do. Put yourself in that shoes. How many of you believe that because of that, be real with me, 
that you would have an open heavens over your life and you could just say, God, I need this and I need that. And because of that resume, stuff would come and it would align in your life. That alignment would come through that. Son never even got a goat. He never got a goat from his, from his daddy. Why? What did the father say to him? Listen to the father's response to his son. This is bananas. He says this. He says, son, you are always with me. Son, you're always with me. And everything that I have is yours. He never asked his dad. Because he was working to get his dad to go, see, dad? See? Doesn't this earn me something? Doesn't this get me to get something from you? Doesn't this get me to doesn't this get me favor in your eyes? And he's and the dad looked at him and he's like, What? You're always with me. Everything I had was your why why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me? A goat, you could have had a goat every night of your life with your friends. You thought that all that, I love that. Thank you for doing, that's amazing. You're a good son, but, but that's not the grounds with which I give to you. The grounds with which I give to you is connected to our relational connection. The fact that you're my son and that you, you've always been with me. He says, but this brother of yours, he was, he was dead. He was lost. Now he's found. I'm just, this party is just a reminder that that he's mine, that he belongs to me. I didn't want him to forget that. And man, I'll never forget that because it changed the way it, that, that encounter with the Lord in Luke 15, it changed the way I related to my father. It began to, began to crumble down my walls of thinking that, that, that the grounds with which God would give to me, bless you, would contend on my obedience. Now listen, I'm not diminishing obedience, but you cannot obey the gospel apart from faith. You cannot obey except with a foundation of faith. And the revelation of Jesus is the grounds and the concrete with which your faith rests in. And so what, I, what started happening, guys, is I started... I started searching for the desires of the Spirit within, and I would just ask God. And I wouldn't just slough off and go, well, I don't need to do anything. And of course, why? Because I'm living by desire, and the Spirit desires to walk in obedience to the Father. The Spirit desires to walk righteously. If you would like more gospel-centered resources, check out our brand new website at braveheart.run. We have so many free resources and things that you can interact with to let the truth of the gospel impact your heart and change your life. We love you. We bless you. Be brave.